You're listening to the Stock Market Options Trading Podcast, a podcast helping retail traders like yourself get better results. If you enjoy listening to cutting-edge options research and trading strategies that help you make consistent gains in the stock market, be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Jay Eric O'Rourke. Welcome back to the Stock Market Options Trading Podcast. This is episode 19. My name is Eric, and I've got a great discussion to share with you today around how to automate tracking your options trades to help prove your performance. You know, this has been, uh, it's very difficult to do this, and I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. I got to speak with Ben Latz from wingmantracker.com. He's a young, <laughs> smart guy, and I think you're really going to get a good, uh, a ton of value out of this episode, just as it pertains to trading in general, but, but really how you can improve your trading over time. But before we get started, I wanted to let you know that this show is supported by members of my Patreon page for trading options and ETFs. Some of the membership perks include monthly strategy backtests and studies. I got a lot of members that are already listening uh, now, so thank you guys already. Um, also, members have the ability to ask me questions one-on-one -on -one and also get to comment on the studies and, and you know for clarification, that type of thing. And it's only $5 to get started. For example, just recently, maybe a week or two ago, I posted an updated training video for members with uh, my newly updated SPX weekly options strategy for 2021. This is the exact strategy I'm trading with my core portfolio trade alerts members. So if you're interested in supporting the podcast and getting instant access to the 2021 SPX weekly options strategy, head over to coreportfolio.link forward slash SPX7DTE. Again, that, that short link is coreportfolio.link forward slash SPX7DTE and you can get started there. All right, let's get into the interview with Ben Latz from wingmantracker.com. All right, we got Ben Latz from wingmantracker.com. Ben, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I know we um, took us a while to finally get to this episode, but just so that for the listeners, um, Ben did a presentation um, a few months ago, maybe four months ago to my local options group. And um, I was really impressed with the software that he's um, built. And a lot of my um, uh, friends, colleagues in that group are using it. And so I wanted to get him on the show to kind of talk about it. But, um, and we'll get into that in a minute. But Ben, give me a little bit of your history about how you got into just trading and options and finance in general. And um, interesting to kind of see, you know, whenever I have people on, I always want to know, how did you get into options? Because it's kind of, you know, I know for us, it's like, every day, but it's a little obscure for most. I like, like, I don't have any friends that do this, you know, so I always like to know how people got started. So um, how did you get started? Yeah, happy to share my my story. I don't get too many opportunities to so. Um, yeah, I've been really interested in business since middle school. I've been starting, you know, through middle school, high school started sort of hobby businesses. And so I always envisioned myself, you know, eventually doing my own business. And it was around the time of high school where I started, you know, I had some savings. My dad was investing it for me. So I was watching the markets just for my long-term holdings. And, you know, when senior year, I was, at, you know, I was, I was becoming 18, right? So you sort of know that you can start trading on your own, having your own brokerage account, that sort of thing. 
And I noticed that the markets moved a lot during the day, every single day. And I just imagined, okay, well, if there's all this movement, there must be something more actively I can do about it, you know, as, as opposed to just holding forever. Right. And that's when I started dabbling a little bit into um, stock trading. And my, my first exposure was technical analysis, I think, like most people. Mm-hmm. And so I get to college my first semester, and I'm really into it. I'm on my own. I have full control of my money now. You know, I can do whatever I want. So I learn all I can about technical analysis and surprise, surprise, I didn't really know what I was doing at all. Had no risk management and quickly started depleting my account. So it was about six months later that I I found out about options through a friend at school. And that night I started Googling around, learning about the dynamics of options, what it actually means. And you know, for the next month or so, I fell into the sort of tasty trade universe, uh, watching their live streams every day, mm-hmm. watching archives. And the thing that connected me the most to options as opposed to stock, this is really the moment that sort of blew my mind because I had studied some statistics in school. So I understood some foundation uh, to that side of that side of things. And when I saw options actually assigning probabilities to where the stock's going to move, that's really where the light bulb went off because it just made so much sense to me right off, you know, right from the start. I was like, this makes so much more sense than trying to gamble and guess where a stock is going to go. I can feel like I can approach this intentionally with some strategy, with some math and hopefully do better. And ever since I started watching Tasty Trade, you know, this was early uh, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, my account was flat for the first couple of months, which was a miracle to me. I was only used to like losing money. Right. <laughs> and then it started to grow slowly and I just, you know, became more and more involved. And, uh, you know, there's, there's more to the story, but that's how, that's how I got started. Gotcha. Yeah. The, the, I, I have similar experience, although I started probably a little bit later in life than you did, but, um, I had gone to an invest tools, um, conference or something. And I took a, basically took a class and I think it was before Tasty Trade and I was when Thinkorswim was still on their own. And, and it, yeah, and I agree the, the, the probabilities and I'm still obsessed with the probabilities and I'm always back testing and, and doing all kinds of things and, and um, trying to get into that. So you got sucked into Tasty Trade, which many of us have and do. And, and I still, I don't watch them as much anymore. And I, I think I mentioned you before, I actually just opened the Tastyworks account a couple of days ago. I'm waiting for the uh, ACH thing to, you know, clear so I can, I can fund it. I had um, a couple episodes ago, I had Fazia on Timberlake, who was, she was one of the rising stars for a little, for, for a couple episodes. And, and she's big in that world. And she kind of was nudging me over the edge about it because I've been with Thinkorswim forever. So, um, so yeah, taste that, you know, they have a great, they have a great platform I'm looking forward to uh, using Tastyworks. So, okay. So you, you, you started switching to options. What were some of the strategies that you started with? Were they just kind of credit spreads that, that type of stuff or strangles or what, what were you um, getting into when you first started with that? Yeah. So when I first started, you know, I didn't have a huge account, right? It was, I would say just over a tasty bite account. So call it 25 K or so. Mm. Um, so you can't really do anything that crazy. Uh, a lot of what tasty trade was talking about, I'm sure at the time was define risk strategies and 
that was sort of appropriate for that account size. So I'm sure I was doing verticals and iron condors and messing with calendars. I think it was really just about how do I get exposure and comfortable with the dynamic of options and how they work. And I was really just interested in backtesting strategies myself. I was manually backtesting on weekends yeah. at nights using the ThinkBack tool in Thinkorswim. <laughs> yeah. Manually recording every single trade, you know, trying to do it myself. Um, yeah. Sort of my own little research team for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I still use that from time to time. Although I've, I've, there are some more uh, products, if you will, th that allow retail traders to backtest these days. I'm actually working with a buddy. We're, we're going to be, um, we, we're getting SPX intraday data and we're going to try to do some intraday backtesting because that's one of the things that I don't, you know, that's been really hard is everything's end of day data yeah, yep. and which is great but um you know there's things like you know if you want to do a if you're doing a, a naked put or or a credit spread or something and and you say okay i want to i want to stop loss at two times the credit well in a end of day back tester that that you know it may have hit your stop and come back up and you may still be in the trade which wouldn't be accurate or vice versa it could go way lower on a huge gap down and you can, your stop would, would only be hit with that end of day pricing. So it's really hard to some of those nuances to really get with backtesting. Um, are there any other backtesting programs you, you work with now or are you kind of settled into your strategies or, or what? Yeah. So I never tried, I didn't, I wasn't even aware of other tools at the time. Um, I don't even know if they existed yet. Yeah. But you know, shortly they after they haven't existed for a, a, a long time. It's, yeah. At least for, for, you know, retail people. I was sort of spoiled too, because about a year after, and I'm sure we'll get into this, a year after I started picking up options, I actually went to go work for Tasty Trade uh, mm -hmm. for an internship on the research team. So I got access to their entire backtesting system, all their data, mm, you know, to, nice. to backtest strategies using, right. using that. So um, what were they, what, <laughs> I don't get too much into that, but how, like what, so they were running their own database or something of all of mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. So they'd had their own. Yeah. It was a completely custom in-house solution that they right. built to, to backtest strategies. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm starting. I'm starting from scratch on that with a, with a buddy. So um, I'll let you know how that goes. If you have any, any that's input. Gonna be a, it's going to be a fun project. I, yeah, I don't have any, yeah. I don't have any advice except good luck. Yeah. Well, we're mainly going to focus on one SPX for now and just kind of get the, framework and everything build. And then once we feel like, you know, it's scalable, we might be able to add some other things. In. Yeah. I, I have a friend who actually is doing a lot of back testing for his SPX strategy. So I'm sure I can connect you to on yeah, you know, how great. he did that. Cause he also did his uh, from scratch, I believe. Oh, that's, that'd be really cool. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, this kind of, we'll get to this with, uh, with Wingman too, but it seems like, you know, I'm still surprised that the brokerage houses don't offer some of these things. Like they have the data. They like, even with ThinkScript, I mean, ThinkScript's pretty, pretty good. If, if for just buying and selling stocks, I have a couple strategies like trend following um, strategy that I just use with ThinkScript and it's just buying and selling, you know, particular stock. But so the idea that, that Thinkorswim or whoever doesn't have that for options where you could say, Hey, if, if this, technical analysis trigger happens, you know, buy a Delta 70 call option or sell a put spread, you know, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to connect those pieces. 
and then you you would really want to you know stay with those platforms but um you know it doesn't seem like they are interested in that or something i don't know yeah well it's not even i mean automated trading is one thing right mm. they don't even have tools to track your trades that you do manually well yeah exactly that's I, I would... the biggest thing you know i think that that comes as a as a surprise i mean when i first started trading options for whatever reason, I just naturally thought to start tracking them in a spreadsheet mm -hmm. because of course I would want to know, well, how does this strategy do? How does that strategy do? Just keeping myself accountable, right? Am yeah. I, am what I'm doing working? Like, is it working? Right. right. Basic questions. And there was nothing built into, you know, Tastyworks or no, Thinkorswim. I've used both. So, you know, it was just resorting to a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And as the years go on, it's just like, you know, there's no solution other than everyone's doing this. Mm. And of course, you can imagine after you do it for a couple of months, you get lazy, right? If you're trading a lot, you don't want to enter 10 <laughs> trades a day. Every single credit, debit, roll, you have to structure the spreadsheet well enough to be scalable over time. Mm. And then if you miss a month, what are you going to do? You're not going to go back and backfill it. So then it's sort of useless because you don't have all your history. And it's the sort of this endless cycle of, okay, I'm going to get back to it you know, I'm yeah. going to track for two months and then you yeah, lose it and I'm you're left with nothing and you're sort of trading blind at that point. For sure. So I'm assuming that once you started getting more comfortable with options and maybe doing more advanced um, multiple positions, is that when you sort of came up with wing, wingman track? You're like, I got to have a, there's got to be a better way. And you're like, I'm just going to do it myself. Or is that how you ended up there? Or how did, how did you yeah. end up with uh, wingman? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And it sort of blends together my interest in business and, and options, of course. So mm -hmm. a year goes by, two years go by, I'm doing a spreadsheet, I'm starting to interact with, you know, other people in the options trading community. And it seems fairly obvious that no one has a good solution, right? Everyone's doing their own spreadsheet. And coming from the background, you know, that I have, I love creating things from nothing, right? I love businesses where I could just create something. I used to make wallets, I used to you know, um, make some, make some software, uh, with some friends and, you know, a variety of things. And so as I was searching for my next business idea, anyway, I figured, well, this entire process that I do in a spreadsheet is very mechanical. It's very logical. The data is well-structured. Why do I have to do this manually? Like the brokerage firm can export my trades right in a CSV file. Mm -hmm. Why can't I just program my logic I do in my head? into a piece of software that does it for me. And I'd imagine a lot of other people would be interested in it too. So I initially saw it as both a learning opportunity of getting involved with building software would be my first time building web software. Mm -hmm. I studied finance, so I have no computer science background. And, uh, you know, if, if people signed up and wanted to pay a subscription for it, great, but I really had no expectations. I just knew that there was a, a need out there. Right. And if I could build it for myself, I would have at least one person using it. <laughs> so right. yeah, uh, it really just, it started as a very small side project, just something I wanted to ex exist in the world. And fortunately it's solved the, the same problem for quite a few people now. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I was definitely impressed with the, the software when I looked at it and was just thinking of like, Oh my gosh, you know, if, cause I, I you know, I'm guilty of, doing the spreadsheets. And for me, I, I'm pretty good about keep like every, every time I enter and, and I do that, I go to my spreadsheet and I put it in there. Um, I think what I don't, what I'm not good at is the, the 
kind of analysis over time um, and proper tagging and those type of things. And then having to go back and go, oh, you know what, maybe I want to widen my strikes, you know, for this strategy. Like, did that help? You know, for, so from this time frame, and it's like, it's just too, it's, it's too much to, to manage. But let's back up just a little bit. Can you give the listeners just more of a why? Like, why is this so important that you're, you're tracking um, trades? It doesn't have to be options, just your trades in general. Why do you think that that's so important for, for retail traders to kind of go down that route and take it seriously? Yeah. Um, the first thing I'll say is it's not something you absolutely have to do. I mean, I would recommend it. The way I sort of see it is if you're running any other type of business, you wouldn't just operate that business looking at a single PL number, right? You need to know the performance at a more granular level so that you can make better decisions. And I don't really know how someone would improve their options trading if they don't have visibility into which parts of it are working or not. So if you want to improve, I think it's important to track what you're doing so that you can actually make a decision based on real information as opposed to just guessing. Uh, I, I often hear a lot of people who put their information in and, you know, they're very surprised by how much they're paying in fees for certain strategies or which strategies are working better than others and they didn't even realize. So I would just take, you know, it's a very simple idea of you do it for any other business, right? So why not options trading? Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, I think after you, you, trade for a few years, you realize you really need that information because I know for a while I was guilty for a long time of impulse trading, um, just on my own and just, you know, momentum. And I would just buy something and, and then the trades I was actually tracking, I was like, Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Right. But then my count wasn't doing as, as well as the trades I was tracking. And it was because I was just taking these impulse trades and, and I just, I didn't include those in my tracking. So it's like, Oh, that's a, you know, that's more of a speculative. I think we're all, I think we're all guilty of that. You know, I mean, you know, if, if you're doing a very strategic approach, you know, you're systematically selling puts or you're doing this and that, mm-hmm. and then you dabble with some future scalping and all of a sudden that takes away, you know, two months of profit. It's easy to dismiss it and say, oh, that was just a one-time thing. But right. you keep doing that and you're not holding yourself accountable and you're not tracking yeah. it and seeing about, you know, how big of a difference that makes. Yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not going to really get anywhere. Yeah, the accountability I think is is um, keeping yourself accountable is a yeah is the, a good the fun, thing. The fun part about operating wingman is that I sort of sit in this independent position where, you know, basically every other actor in this industry, a brokerage firm, you know, an educator, um, variety of participants, they have certain incentives baked into what information they share and what they want you to know and that sort of thing. But with Wingman, I'm so indifferent. Like, I just show your numbers, you know, as they are, right? Fees are baked into your PL. Everything is transparent and like in your face. You can't really hide from how you're doing right. because you I have no incentive yourself. to hide it from you, right? The whole point of the tool is keep you accountable, make it transparent, and know how you're actually doing. Right. I mean, it's still it's still surprising to me. Uh, at least my optimist is surprised. Maybe not my cynical side that brokerage firms don't include fees and commission in your P&L. So like when people look right. at P&L numbers, those are with zero fees. So, you know, there's just a lot of little things like that. Right. So it's sort of fun to be in a position where I don't have to care about hiding anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So 
I struggled, you know, tracking my trades a little bit. Um, and I, I like, you know, on the website, and this is wingmantracker.com, I like that term um, that you had on their options trading assistant. And I think that's, um, so really what we're talking about is getting the way I'm, you know, interpreting a lot of this is, is getting a lot of value, but saving myself time. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. Cause once you realize you can, you can just put this information in there and just kind of let the software organize it for you. I think it's a big time factor. So I really like that options trading assistant sort of verbiage that you're using. And so, so let me ask you, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about the process, you know, so in general, you're going to export your trades um, out of your platform and then you're going to import it. And then, um, and then the software is going to kind of, um, analyze what you have open or closed. So let's talk about starting that process. What's going to be to come in? Is it, is it, cause I know like toss and I'm just thinking, thinking, so my new toss keeps like, I want to say it's 60 days of stuff in like the recent history or I forget the, the term they use for it. Does it look at that or is it really just going to, are you starting with your open, what you have open existing? Yeah. So thinkorswim, I think they store basically your entire account history, but uh, not all brokerages do that. With Wingman, the way it works is very, very simple. My whole idea is to keep it not overwhelming. Uh, it used to be where you can backload as much history as you want. And it just leads to overwhelm trying to reconcile so much history. So the way it works now is you just take, it just takes a snapshot of your current holdings, right? It creates that starting point of what do you have open right now? And then you would import trades going forward. And Wingman, you know, the process is, right, you have a CSV file that has your current holdings. And at no point do you ever have to even open these files, edit them. The software takes it as is. So you export from Thinkorswim or your brokerage, you import to Wingman, spins up all your current positions, and you're done for your setup pretty much. Okay. Uh, then going forward, you'll just export any new trades that you have. And again, not touching the file at all, just a direct import to Wingman. And it'll bring those trades in, it'll parse them, it'll figure out, do these belong to an existing position? Or should I create a new position? Every time it modifies that, it recalculates your cost basis, your PNL, keeps you up to speed. And the day-to-day -day process is about one to two minutes for each account. Uh, so it becomes a habit pretty quickly and you don't really have to do anything, which is kind of the whole point. <laughs> right. I like, I like that you don't have to open the spreadsheets. So the fact that you can just download and then... Yeah, I mean, um, if, if, I, if I had people create their own CSV file or, or have to edit a file, that sort of defeats the whole purpose of right. saving people time. Right. You might as well manually enter trades. Yeah. So I know one thing, like I trade, we talked a little bit about this, like I trade a lot of SPX, um, but I'll trade different strategies on SPX and have different positions on. Um, so how, how, what's the best way to, you know, for me to track my, let's say my seven day weekly options versus maybe my, my monthly options, but it's still all under the same ticker. How, how does that work? The biggest approach or differentiation I took with Wingman versus how your brokerage firm could display your positions is I separated out the ticker from positions. So you can have multiple positions within one underlying, right? Okay. That's how a lot of us trade, right? You can have, as you said, you have a bunch of different SPX ones at the same time. 
you need to know which legs belong together, mm-hmm. right? What strategies are they? So you can track them independently. What's my cost basis to cross those legs together as a package? And then as you roll those, you want to keep that roll within the same position effort. So the way Wingman works is it figures out your separate positions within one underlying. You could think of it almost by timestamp, right? So mm-hmm. if you're doing, you know, if three legs come in at the same time in the same order, well, chances are they're part of the same position, right? Okay. If you then do other legs that are completely separate at a whole other time, there's no shared leg, right? That's going to create a new position. They're all within SPX, but they're completely different buckets or entities. They're completely separate. And then what you could do is add as many custom tags as you want to those positions. So if you have a particular setup or strategy or where you got the trade idea from or whatever you want to track, you can create your own buckets by just adding custom tags to each of those positions separately. That would be super helpful because, yeah, you're right. I know what I end up doing in Thinkorswim is creating groups. So I'll, I might have a, a couple XP, SPX positions on, and then I, let's say I open a new position and it'll just feed it into, you know, under the ticker. But then I kind of want it separated because I want to see how that one's doing. And if I want to adjust or roll that one, it really has nothing to do with the other position. So I, I like, I like the, the grouping uh, aspect uh, of that. And um, yeah, um, so even more on that with the grouping is one of the biggest problems I faced, you know, when I was trading is that, if you roll a position, the brokerage firm doesn't understand roles. Like they understand how to execute roles, but when you're on your open positions page, mm-hmm. that closed option is gone. Right. All the data, all the PL, all the credit and debit from that option is just gone. It's not baked into any sort of ongoing position. So one of the big things that people, you know, have to get used to with wingman, which is how they see it mentally is that, Wingman can carry on closed legs in an open position. So the easiest example is a covered call. You know, you may have, you know, initiated a covered call two years ago and you're rolling calls month to month in your brokerage platform. It's only going to show you the latest call. It, it, It has no association between those calls that you've closed all along the way and your current position. But with Wingman, it automatically latches on. And so if you have a covered call and you're rolling it for two years, every single option as part of that is going to be in one position in wingman. So you can immediately know what's your running cost basis overall across Mm -hmm. all of them with no effort. And so if you're trying to make a decision of, well, how low can I sell the next call so that I still break even, you don't have to go and tally up debits and credits from two years to figure that out. It just tells you. Right. Yeah. I know. Um, how would it handle like if you get called away? So, you know, occasionally you'll get called and, and I'm, I guess maybe thinking kind of on the wheel strategy of selling a naked put for a few months and then mm-hmm. you finally get uh, assigned. Um, I know one of the things that that I'm getting more into is, is not selling naked puts, but it's just selling super wide credit spreads that, that are, you know, just to minimize my, um, my, the capital needed. But, you know, if I do get assigned on that short put, then I would, I would flip to selling calls. So is that something you can also keep together over time uh, with that? Yeah, like, same like same process. So if a put turns into stock, 
it'll bring in the assignment transactions and keep the new stock or the new shares as part of that existing position. So okay. your credit that you got from the put, you know, gets baked into your stock cost basis. And so you still know overall where you're at. And mm. you can basically pulls together anything as an ongoing effort into one position. Right. And if there's ever a time where maybe it doesn't group something how you want to, because there is some discretion to it, then there are buttons that very easily let you regroup things. Right. Okay. How often do you need to do that import just on days that you actually make transactions or can you just say, Hey, every Friday I'm going to, I'm going to update everything or can you do it at the end of the week or what, what are the, the options there? Or should you do it every day that you make transactions? Yeah. One of the, one of the biggest things I kept in mind is that it's very easy to fall behind. Right. Mm -hmm. Anytime you have to do anything manually, it's, it's very easy to fall behind. If you go on vacation, you get lazy. Right. So the way Wingman works is you can pick up from wherever you left off. So if you imported a week ago, all you have to do in your CSV export is just start it from a week ago. So as long as it covers the full date range of transactions, you can upload in whatever frequency you want. Mm, okay. So the basic idea is if you want new trades to go into the system, that's when you would import but if you haven't made a trade in a week, there's nothing to import. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, so now, you know, we, we have our, our trades in there. You know, what, what kind of stats can we see about ourselves? I guess ultimately it's what we're looking at, <laughs> you know, how, how have we done? What, what are we going to see that's sort of out of the box? Sure. Sure. So on open positions, you're going to see your original cost basis, your current cost basis, your realized PL, your open PL, and your total PL. So the golden numbers in terms of open position management are your total PL, which is what you have currently open, plus the PL from all your roles and adjustments and assignments. Mm -hmm. So that's what that's how you know where you stand uh, for open positions. For closed positions, I took kind of a simple approach to analysis. I think you can glean a lot of insight from the basics. I think a lot of software goes pretty crazy <laughs> with, with what you can analyze. And mm. for some people, that's what they're looking for. For most people, I think the basics keep it focused and keep it simple because you can make a lot of decisions from pretty straightforward metrics. So some of the examples are looking at average PL per trade, win rates, right? Uh, average PL per day. What's the size of your average winner versus average loser? It's really important to keep track of. Hmm. Um, you know, some people may say, wow, I have a 90% win rate, but if your losers are 20 times bigger than your winners, you're still losing money. Right. Yeah. And I think so. So those are sort of the most <clears throat> prominent metrics and you can slice and dice that based on the strategy, based on the underlying, you can do it across multiple brokerage accounts or just one. Mm -hmm. You can do that for any date range you want right? Any of your custom tags, all these metrics, you can create your own custom buckets, as we mentioned earlier, um, so that you can track, you know, how am I doing from this newsletter that I follow and the trade ideas that they've generated? Or mm -hmm. how does this custom setup do? Right. And there's a couple charts. So one chart helps you identify outliers. So it's this nice little dot plot, scatter plot, Mm. where it'll graph out each individual PL of your positions across time. So what you would want to see in sort of a balanced, healthy portfolio, I guess, is you want to see your PLs clustered, right? You want 
your wins and losses to be roughly the same size. So it really helps you identify what were your huge winners or losers that can heavily skew your performance. And it will show you, just hover over it, you know, and it'll show you which one was that crazy PL that could be skewing things. Right. So that, you know, I, I think the value is largely in being able to bucket the analysis as opposed to the breadth of the actual metrics themselves. Because um, once you see win rate, average PLs, you know, the amount of time in the trade, there's really not a whole lot more you need more than that. Uh, right. You just need to see it broken down by strategy, by tag, by underlying, et cetera. Okay. Well, you know, I got thinking about that. I was, um, I was kind of working with this other trading uh, journal software, which has a lot of drawbacks. One of the things that, you know, about the average P&L um, that I guess I have a hard time still putting together is, you know, I, I, I'll buy um, ETFs and things and, and sometimes the, you know, understanding, help me, helping me understand my position size. So for example, if I, if my um, average winner in a ETF trade is $200 or something, um, but if I'm using, you know, $5,000 to put on that trade, you know, is there's, I don't know if there's a capital, is there anything about the, the amount of capital you're putting towards trades that, that it recognizes? So if I'm doing like SPX, you know, spreads with two or $3,000 at a time, but the, but the winners are bigger, I'm making more per uh, my, my return on capital is better. Um, but if I just look at the average per trade, I might just see these different numbers, um, does it, does that make sense? Like, yeah, this to, is something oh. that this is one of the most requested things. And right. it's something I used to track manually in a spreadsheet, something I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to sort of automate in a, in a software. Cause mm. one of the challenges is when you do your own spreadsheet, you have really full control over how you want to calculate things and any one-off weird scenarios you can account for mm. when building software for, you know, a lot of people you have to be very careful about how you approach things, what assumptions you put in. So when it comes to something like return on capital, the challenge is that there are quite a few different ways of calculating that. You know, what is your denominator? Is it your buying power? Is it your max loss? You know, um, right. how does that change when you roll, right? What do you include in rolls? What do you include in assignments? So it definitely makes sense to measure your performance uh, using percentages in that respect so that you can sort of normalize out your trade size. Um, but right now wingman just does it by raw dollars and you know that works fairly well if your positions are sized pretty evenly which is a good practice anyway. i was i was going to say that that's what you would want you, you before you do that is you're you would want and this is how i've been doing it is saying okay i'm going to allocate you know x amount per trade for this strategy and that way over time i can really see okay this you know, I, I know mentally, it's, I don't see it in, in, you know, in the sheet, but I know mentally if I'm selling, you know, four or five spreads in SPX, I might be um, allocating three or $4,000. And if I'm making a certain amount over time, I know that that's, you know, that's a good return or, or not. Whereas if I'm doing an ETF where I usually, um, I find myself spending, I'm allocating more capital per ETF trade because I know the volatility is less 
you know, I'm, you know, you're trying to, you know, maybe have a 5% loss, 10% gain. So I know the volatility in that $10,000 is going to be less. So I still may only make $500 a trade, but I'm, I'm using $10,000 over here to make $500. And over here I'm make I'm using $2,000 to make, to make $500. But of course in the, you know, in the spread world or whatever, you know, you, you can lose more than you. Um, yeah. This, yeah, so, this really gets at the heart of, of the challenge and potentially what's actually misleading for traders because mm-hmm. one, one of the things I studied the most when I was working at tasty trade is how do you measure risk? Right. Mm-hmm. It varies so much by strategy, by underlying, you know, it, but at the end of the day, what matters in trading is dollars. Did you make or lose money? Right. You could be up a percent on average, but down overall in dollars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how do you blend together and make sense of a percentage return in a spread versus a naked option? They're just completely different. Right. And, you know, trying to measure percentages against each other across strategies could almost do more harm than good, mm-hmm. right? The raw dollars are going to speak for themselves, but percentages can sort of mislead potentially. Uh, so it's really a matter of, and it's, it's largely up to personal preference, which is why I've had a challenge sort of automating it, mm-hmm. is how do you want to measure your risk? One thing I love to look at is notional value, right? So if I sell a put, I'm not, I don't care about the buying power. I care about what's my actual risk, which is, you know, theoretically getting assigned shares. And how can I compare that to the risk of a vertical spread, right? They're so hard to compare right. that, you know, it, it, there's only so much you can glean from percentages, right? Are you doing a percentage on the width of the spread, the debit or the credit? you know, long options versus short options, right? You can only make 100% on short options, but you can make 10,000% on a long option. Which one's better? It's hard to say. Uh, So, you know, mixing those profiles is very difficult and dollars actually kind of do the best job. Yeah. No, I agree. I, you know, what I've been, the way I've been kind of handling that is, you know, for my options trades, um, I usually do risk defined. And so I know what my max loss is, right? So that's usually what I base my position size off is my max loss, because I know at some point it'll happen. I'll wake up one day and whatever, you know, whatever will happen and I can't do anything about it. So, so I'm, I'm looking at my max loss as a percentage of my account. So if I only want to risk one or 2% or whatever the number is, that's, that's how I position size a lot of my, my options trades. Now my, ETF trades, I will, I sort of, you know, I've done a lot of backtesting and I sort of have some historical reference to say, okay, on the average loser for this trade is let's say 5% and the average winner is 12% or something like that. So again, I would say, okay, if I'm, if I'm allocating, if I know my risk is 5% and then I can then, um, you know, position that according to my risk. That's kind of how I've done it. And then I think the the next phase for me is really, you know, not which one, because I have a few obviously, but, um, you know, scaling up and saying, okay, now I'm going to risk this much. I'm going to, I'm going to risk more because I really haven't seen that, that loser. So that's kind of where I'm at. But, um, but yeah, you're right. There, I didn't really think about that from a software perspective. There's, there are a lot of different trade types and when you get into selling naked options and um you know the jade lizards of the world there's so many combinations that it's probably i would imagine it's hard to really come up with that single 
especially uh, when it incorporates roles through time, right? Yeah, so like, you're right. what's your return on capital when you sell a put, but then it gets assigned into stock, right? Like, what do you use as your denominator? There's right. a lot of interesting questions when you get into the details. Um, so I, I just try to be careful of what people are looking at because they're making decisions based on it. Right. Well, I know I'm really looking forward to uh, getting my account set up and, um, and start, you know, seeing, just getting my stuff in there. So that's something I'm, I'm really looking forward to. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, should they just go to the website, you know, if they have questions or what's the, what's the best way to get a look at, at Wingman Tracker? Sure. So if you're interested in Wingman, you can go to wingmantracker.com. Um, but really, if you're interested in talking with me, I'm, I'm happy to discuss options, business, you know, uh, Wingman is sort of a side business for me. I'm very involved in business and personal finance, and I love having conversation. One of my favorite parts of running Wingman is actually the people that I've met. So feel free to reach out to me. I'm most active on Twitter, at Ben Latz, uh, B-E-N-L-A-T-Z. You can also email me. Um, uh, my email address is on my website, benlatz.com. So, you know, feel free to start a conversation. There's a lot of great people that I've met. So, you know, hopefully we get to chat, but yeah, if, if you want to sign up for wingman and you're listening to this episode, you can get 50 bucks off by just putting in the code, uh, Eric, actually, nice. uh, E R I C and you'll right. get 50 it's got bucks a C. off. It's got a C. <laughs> yeah. I, I made sure to get yeah. that one. Right. Awesome. So, you know, just a little treat for your listeners That's and, really cool. uh, yeah, I run it on my own. So I do all the customer support, you know, so if you message there, I'll be the one responding. Okay, great. And um, just for the listeners too, um, you know, I'm going to put all the Ben's information into the show notes of the podcast. Um, I'm not sure if this is going to be episode 19 or 20, but um, if you go to stockmarketoptionstrading.com, the notes will be there. Um, and if you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the description. But again, definitely go check out wingmantracker.com. I know you offer the free trial as well. So you can at least kind of get started. I know I plan on once I get some stuff in there, I'm definitely going to be analyzing and sharing with, you know, anyone on my email list. And I'll probably maybe have you back on in a few months and kind of see how I'm doing. <laughs> you know, that's always uh, nerve wracking. But I, 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 I know the transparency that, that, um, that that can bring, you know, people to not only to yourself, but to other people. So you can really say, Hey, this, I'm using the strategy. It really works. Here are my results. I think it's something that that's valuable to, to others. So, um, well, Ben, it's been great. Thanks so much for joining me and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the stock market options trading podcast. To join our community of options traders, head on over to patreon.com forward slash vertical spread options trading for details. But before you go, you should know that everything discussed on this podcast and in this episode is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial advice of any kind. 